0: friends, it's good to be with you. My name is Adam, and it's my joy to be the senior pastor here at First United Methodist Church. I'm all hopped up on Christmas. I'm ready to roll, uh, so uh, I'm glad that we can be in God's presence together. Several years ago, I met Dick Vermeil, former coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. He was super nice. I, I ran into him at a, the Starbucks on the Plaza. Really nice guy. He signed one of those little cardboard coffee sleeves for me, and uh, he was great. I tried to be, you know, not obsessive or I tried to be appropriate, but it was really cool seeing him. One thing though, he was a lot smaller than I, know, than I thought he would be in real life. You know, you see somebody on TV and you get this kind of picture of him and then when you meet him, you're like, oh, he's not as big as I thought he would be. That, that's the definition of in real life, or as the kids say, IRL. It stands for in real life. You use IRL when you want to distinguish reality from how something seems on TV, video games, online, or on social media. Things don't always turn out the way we think they should in real life. Maybe you experience a Thanksgiving recipe fail this week, right? Like there's how it looks online, and then there's yours. Or, or maybe you get inspired by the beautiful decorations you see, and then there's how your tree turns out. Or, or you, 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 you imagine your children with, with beautiful smiles for their Christmas picture, but that's not how it goes with your real life children. I'm just gonna give you a moment to really absorb this here. These are my two actual children with Betsy's Stone Cold Musto wishing you a Merry Christmas. She's three so I could do this for another couple years before I have to start compensating them for, for the sermon mileage here. Whatever our high hopes and expectations are gonna be for Christmas, this year will look much different in real life. That's what our sermon series is going to be diving into these next four weeks, leading up to the celebration of Jesus' birth. This is the time in the Christian year called Advent, which comes from a Latin word meaning arrival. So we wait on the arrival of Jesus at Christmas time. And we thought we would lean into the fact that Christmas is going to be messed up this year because the world is messed up. Politics are a mess. People are struggling economically. 2020 has exposed injustice in our world in a way that a lot of folks uh, may not perceive on a regular basis. The pandemic has affected so many areas of life. So as we wave goodbye to the picture-perfect Christmas, uh, it's helpful for me to remember that the first Christmas was far from ideal. You had a young couple with a baby that would cause a scandal. And 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 the, the the situation or the scenario of the baby's birth not glamorous and, and not long after they had to flee for their lives for fear of their own safety because their lives were in danger. That was the first Christmas. Jesus came into our world because it's messed up. Christmas exists because we need a savior. Now, I don't know about you, but at Christmas time, there's a lot of things I feel like I need for it to really feel like Christmas. I, right? I need some lights. I need the music. I need the decorations. I need to see some movies. I need some well thought out presents. And when I start naming this list out loud, I realize that at Christmas time, I'm pretty needy. Our scripture today will tell us the one thing we need most at Christmas time. It's from the book of Romans. And and that's, in my opinion, like the most big boy, big girl book of the Bible. Romans. It's written by the Apostle Paul, who went from hunting Christians to starting churches. And in his letter to the church in Rome, he's going to use an analogy. And in his own words, this analogy is from everyday life because of your human limitations. So the points Paul is going to illustrate today in our scripture use the analogy of slavery, an institution that existed without question in the first century. I think of Paul's use of slavery and, and, and as, a, as an image, and I don't think it means that the New Testament is condoning slavery. I think it does mean that Paul was writing to real people at a real time in real history when this was the practice. I believe the point here is we must choose what will be our master. I believe it was Bob Dylan who said, It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. So we start in Romans 6 with verses 20 and 21. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But Paul's original audience was people of faith. And and no matter where you find yourself on your faith journey today... I think we can all relate that sin is a terrible and pervasive force in our world. You don't need me to to list you all the bad things going on in the world. We see sin's consequences everywhere. In this passage and many other times in the New Testament, the Greek word used for sin is hamartia. And this is a, a term from archery, meaning to miss the mark. Sin is when we get off target and when we disobey God's good desire for our lives. Sin usually involves putting our own desires over and above those of others. And Paul uses the phrase slaves to sin, meaning sin is who we serve. Sin is what controls our life. Sin is our master. According to Scripture, when we're slaves to sin, we not only don't allow any influence of righteousness, righteousness being God's holy call on our lives. Paul also says that ultimately sin doesn't benefit anybody, even us. Now I gotta tell you, I may be going for a world record today on how many times I use the word sin in a sermon about Christmas. Now, there's no official tally, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, I'm up there, right? But the scriptures tell us what we know to be true actions have consequences. God's intention for people was not that they would serve sin and suffer death, but God gave us a choice as to who we would serve. One book I try and read every year is a book by St. Athanasius called On the Incarnation. It was written in the 5th century. I, I get excited if someone will remember something from this sermon like on Wednesday. Okay, this book has lasted thousands of years, 1,500 years. I try and read it every December, and here's what St. Athanasius said. God created the human being and willed that they should abide in incorruptibility, or that they, they wouldn't die, that they would uh, follow God's good desire. That Incorruptibility is a word you find all throughout this book. But when humans despised and overturned the comprehension of God, devising and controlling evil for themselves... Then they received the previously threatened condemnation of death and no longer remained as they had been created. Sin brings death. It severs the connection between God and people. That's the bad news. The good news is that we aren't stuck being slaves to sin. We read on in Romans 6. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. God sent Christ to free us from slavery to sin. That's something we'll talk about next week. Paul again uses the analogy of of being a slave to God, and, and that might strike you as odd. Bishop Thomas Hoyt said this, slavery to righteousness, that was used in verse 19, or this concept of being a slave to God, seems to be a contradiction in terms. There is a paradox to Christian freedom. Paul explores the meaning of this paradox by means of two prepositions, from and to. Now, I'm, I'm not a big parts of speech guy, right? A preposition of from and to, here's, here's what we mean. Paul says that we are at once freed from sin, but that ain't it. What's, what's ain't? That's not a preposition. I don't know what that is. <laughs> We're freed from sin, but that, that ain't it. We're also freed to pursue the God the good things God desires for us we're freed to God's righteousness we're freed to holiness and that's the character of God moral purity without defect or flaw we are freed from death and freed to eternal life so what will be our master and what will the end result be that's the question before us Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 is like a Hall of Fame Bible verse. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. What does it mean that the wages of sin is death? My first job in high school was working at our community pool in the concession stand. Which is kind of like putting the monkey in charge of the banana pile. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my first real paycheck, right? Couldn't believe it. It was great. Now, at the pool, if the weather was bad or it wasn't very crowded, the manager would kind of go around to everybody and be like, hey, does anybody want to go home? There's no sense in paying two people to work the concession stand if it's all rainy. Ooh, me, I, I will. I was always the first to volunteer to leave. I thought this was great. Until in a two week time period, my paycheck was $19. And I remember my dad saying, You know, son, if you want to get paid, you actually have to stay at work. So, wages are what we earn for our efforts. We understand this. When sin is our master, we get what we deserve. And according to Paul, the only wage we earn by serving sin is death. The only thing that sin pays is death. That's what you get in return, those are your wages. And Paul contrasts the wages of sin, this thing you earn, with the gift of God, which is given, not earned. Whereas death is earned by serving sin, when we serve God, eternal life is the gift. Tokenboa Adayomo said this, when we serve God, what he gives us cannot be called wages, for it is far more than we could ever possibly earn through our service. It is a gift of grace we are given what we do not deserve and that is eternal life and sometimes the problem is we bring a wages mentality to god do you ever think that god owes you something my life is nothing but better when i could manage to cut that thought from my mind we bring a wages mentality to god sometimes just like me at the pool if we put in our time we should get the benefits and, and I don't know what that looks like in, in, in your life. The things you do to, to you know, kind of earn your wages with God. Maybe it's going to church, uh, not cussing. Uh, maybe it's praying, uh, not being a jerk to the person at the office, not cheating on our academics at school or being honest on your taxes. Whatever list you want to make, staying faithful to our spouses. This attitude of earning our status with God makes sense because we spend a lot of, a lot of life earning what we need and want we orient our whole lives around earning we start when we're little by earning our grades my kid is six and he just earned a pizza hut personal pizza from reading now I would say any pizza is a personal pizza if you try hard enough I was very proud I was so glad to see book it there's some things in life I like that, that can be counted on and that's one of them. I need a little consistency these days and book it is alive and well my kid and her pizza. It's great. Very proud of him. And we teach our children this mindset of earning at Christmas, don't we? Well, if you want any presents, you better be good. Then as we grow, if you want to get likes or followers on social media, you got to earn those. you got to perform. And then in, in middle school and high school, I man, if you want a spot on the team or the orchestra or, or on the dance team, you got to earn your way on. you got to try out. You don't just get to make it. If you want a scholarship, you got to earn a good ACT score. If you want to have a house or healthcare or a new Mahomes jersey, you got to earn that money at a job. If you want to retire someday, if you want to build your 401k, you got to earn it. And so from kindergarten to kick in the can, as Americans, we think everything we need, we earn. The good news of Christmas is that what we need most, we can't earn. This is the opposite of everything our society tells us. The good gift of the grace of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus. What we need most, we cannot earn. Almost everything in our world is merit based. Your acceptance by God, friends, is not determined by what you have done for God, it is determined by what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. His birth, his life, his teachings, his death in resurrection there's not a limited supply there's no restrictions it's given as a limitless gift this gift leads to eternal life and all we have to do is accept it by faith this is one of the major themes of the new testament we read this in ephesians 2 for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves here we go it is the gift of god not by works so that no one may boast. Growing up, my family would would get Martinelli's sparkling cider for the holidays, uh, and in a fairly strict pastor's home, that's what you did, and it became known in our household as special drink. Uh, this is my uh, this is an actual picture of my cart at Costco this year, full of special drink. Uh, When I was checking out, the person behind me was like, woo, I want to go where you're going. Looks like a good time. And he was visibly disappointed when I told him it was (laughs) non-alcoholic. 2020 will be the first Christmas we'll have without my dad. And it feels especially important to preserve some of these silly but very meaningful traditions that have been passed down to me and my sister. I hope that your family has some important and meaningful traditions around Christmas like mine does. I I love it all. I, I don't know, again, there's no like worldwide ranking. I don't know if you could find a whole lot of people who love Christmas more than I do. It's, it's hard, friends. I, like, I, I already don't know what I'm gonna do with myself on Christmas Eve besides drink a lot of Martinelli's. I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself. But friends, as much sentimentality as we have around Christmas, and I got a bunch, Christmas is really about life and death. 2020 has been a year marked by pain, grief, and death. I don't think you need me to make a list for you of how messed up the world is. When I see the pain and struggle in the world, when I feel it in my own life, it confirms how desperately we need God. Because of Jesus Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin and can accept God's gift of eternal life through Christ. Whether you have been naughty or nice, friends, what we need most we cannot earn. All we have to do is turn to Jesus and place our faith in Him, accepting this free and gracious gift of eternal life. Our great need for God is why Jesus was born at Christmas time. And in the coming weeks, we'll look at our great need for God and why Jesus, being both God and human, matters and how God becoming a person proves God's love for us. And finally, we'll look at how Christmas was the beginning of God's rescue plan of redemption. That's where we're going throughout Advent. Friends, this will be a Christmas unlike any other. So we thought we would just lean into that and, and, and recover the good news of Christmas as we understand what it's going to mean in real life this year. So I want you to join me in going daily to God, acknowledging our great need for him, and receiving in return God's great love for you. This year we've created an Advent devotion. So this is 26 days of reading and prayers for you to stay connected to God, for you to stay connected to your church, in the midst of a crazy season, experience a daily reminder of what all this is about in the first place. So you can sign up to get daily emails through our website, carney.church we'll also be posting these on our facebook page and so i hope that you'll take advantage of this opportunity this week to be reminded of our great need for god and to get just a little shot of of jesus i didn't write that down a little shot of jesus in the morning i got these bad boys posted at 5 30 because i know some of y'all get up crazy early so they'll be ready for you they'll be ready for you If you're looking for a place to start, if we've talked about this, well, how do you put your faith in Christ? Well, what what do I do with that? If you're looking for a place to start, if you're looking for a way, a mechanism to to stay active in your faith or to, to get a little spiritual practice going, this is for you. In the midst of real life, let's rally together and remember why we're doing all this in the first place. Friends, as much as we need joy this Christmas, as much as as we need this pandemic to come to an end, whatever else you're in need of this season, what we need most, we can't earn. Thanks be to God for the gift of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for, for your gift beyond description the grace and, and, and generosity and love you showed us when you sent your son at Christmas time. He came to us as a vulnerable baby and joined us in our suffering. God, I lift up all those who are hurting in our congregation, in our community, and throughout the world. All those who experienced an empty chair Around the dinner table Thursday, all those who are currently sick, whether it's battling COVID or 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 whatever else, those who just want their health back, we lift them up to you. And we lift up to you those who are who are providing care and on the front lines. All our healthcare workers and our first responders and our and our police officers and our our firehouses we lift up all those who are serving to you. God, sometimes we can be kind of numb to our great need of you. And all we have to do is look around at the headlines and what's going on in our own lives to be reminded of how desperately we need you. And so we, we embrace that this morning, God, that we need you. And that our greatest need we cannot earn. And we give you thanks for your grace. Even in helping us to accept this gift. So help us to be people of faith. Help us to walk through this season. Knowing that you go before us. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.